Captain's Log, the podcast devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on the supernatural, occult, and the all-around strange happenings of our world. Our mission? To boldly entertain like no one has before. Stardate 07-21-2020. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined virtually from America's 29th state, the beautiful Iowa, by my co-host and first officer, Mason Schrader. Mason, say hello to the folks at home and tell us how you've been since the last time we heard that lovely, soothing voice. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been fine uh, over here in the the Hawkeye State. Mm. Uh, pretty good. You know, we talk about my state a lot. We don't talk about Utah very often. There's not much to talk about. I mean, <laughs> yeah, as opposed um, to the metropolis of Iowa. Do you want to talk about how there was a town hall to talk about uh, requiring masks for kids to go back to school, and then a bunch of uh, protest like protesters showed up anti-mask protesters and they had to mm. shut the meeting down because there were so many people without masks it was I, a public uh safety go, concern i was really hoping you were gonna say and then it was shut down by uh people who were protesting the fact that they were even going back to school uh, you know no I everybody a lot like, of people here just want they are like it's not fair that parents should have to deal with their kids at home but they are <laughs> fucking kids what uh, you chose to have them. No, my my parents probably felt the same way. <laughs> but no, yeah, nothing, nothing new in Utah. Uh, oh, I mean, there I was a guy see... who drove through a bunch of protesters. Oh Jesus Christ! That was fun. I saw uh, some gooder, some lighter uh, subject is I saw there was there's this uh, like statue in Salt Lake City, like a police statue of like just two giant hands. Oh like, yes, like turned upwards mm-hmm. to like talk about how like the police are there to serve us and someone you know. Covered it in red paint because yes. police have blood on their hands, and I was like, "That's pretty good." That yeah, that was pretty cool. But also, you kind of walked into that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I would, pretty... me personally, I would have put big paper mache balls on it, like big nuts, like big, like a big <laughs> ball sack, and I, yeah, yeah. I don't know, something, something, <laughs> and I would have thought of something clever, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But instead, I guess we'll settle with the uh, hauntingly uh, powerful <laughs> statement of cop having blood on their hands. Yeah, I guess that. But, was but if it was too. you, I guess it would have been paper mache <laughs> balls and something clever. Yes, it would have. Um, let's see. Today we are continue. Uh, well, uh, I think we should. Uh, this episode is late. It's very late. Um, I'm getting my shit together. We're working on it. Uh, it won't happen again. But it probably will, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, Today we're continuing our Unsolved U.S. series. Uh, We're going to take a look at, um, it's part three of the Notorious Narratives of the Northeast. So today we're going to (laughs) be taking a look at urban legends from the following two states, Connecticut and Rhode Island. Um, uh, Originally I had three states planned, but just... I just come to realize that doing three states doesn't always work out for us, and it's better to just do two, and we can talk about yeah. the things as much, so we don't have to cut it at an awkward part or whatever. And there will just yeah. be more parts of this. Like there will be an extra episode than what I 
originally planned so it's no big deal um yeah it happens yeah a reminder we won't get to every urban legend out there uh and we aren't necessarily covering the most popular legends from each state the legends we choose are chosen on the basis of whether or not they would make for interesting conversation above all else uh we will continue with our rating system of spooky or kooky which means exactly what it sounds like uh so with that out of the way mason shall we begin yeah then let's no do it. oh all right yeah. okay all right let's nah, that's fine okay, okay. all right all right yeah. our journey mm, be- oh, well oh. no you don't want to no, okay let's okay do it. okay let's do it our journey begins in the constitution state connecticut since the 1800s there have been uh a very there's been a very interesting persistent urban legend about a man wrapped in leather Many in Connecticut have heard the tale of the wandering vagrant who traveled in an endless 365-mile circle between the Connecticut and Hudson Rivers. This strange man would mostly only speak with grunts and gestures. He was dressed in crudely stitched-together leather from his hat to his boots, and the leather man, as he came to be known, would only sleep outside year-round and mostly in caves around the Connecticut and New York area. Some claim... Is he, is he the world's first gimp? Uh, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, uh, he just wore a hat. He didn't, um, he should have had a cool face leather mask. Um, well, I'm just imagining the gimp from Pulp Fiction, you know? Yeah. That, no, that's him. Yeah, he was based on this gimp. He couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he could, I guess, but he didn't because, you know, the zipper or whatever. Right. Uh, some claim that he stashed valuables and loads of money in those caves while others stay away from the caves, believing they are still inhabited by the spirit of... Of the mysterious old leather man. So that's just the legend. Uh, what do you think of this strange wandering man? And I've included a picture here for you to look at. That's He's a very mm. gruff and scary looking man. Just cause I mean, he just looks like a homeless man. He looks like, uh, to me, he looks like literally anybody from the 1800s. You could have said <laughs> this was the yeah. top general of the Union Army and I would have been like, yep. Sure. Uh, yeah, he he probably do, he does probably look like Grant after he went on like a one of his famous drunk benders. Yeah, but uh, uh it was kind of scarier when I got to imagine what he looked like. Seeing mm-hmm. the picture, it's um yeah, he just looks like a homeless guy. Like I, yeah. I, I particularly, I guess he's a particularly like he's like the type of homeless man I'd like cross the street to avoid. I yeah. guess <laughs> he looks like he would like scream at me. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, eh. He's just a dude. Yeah. So it's 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 a fun one, but it's not spooky. It's just kind of like a, uh, I don't know. The legend itself to me is just kind of kooky because it's like okay, just, a guy walked around and he stashed yeah. money supposedly in caves. Sure. Yeah. I'm guessing by the looks of him, he didn't stash any money in those caves. No. But it should be noted that much like the legend of Hooky Jack, who. I love with all my heart, God bless him. <laughs> I did uh, love Hooky Jack. <laughs> this legend is indeed based in fact, and the Leatherman was very much a real person. What makes the Leatherman stand out from the rest of America's wandering vagrants is how precise he was in his journey. He would always arrive at the same place every 34 days. It is believed that he first appeared in Connecticut around 1862. From the beginning, people were fascinated with him and wanted to know who he was and where he came from. Some families were so fond of the man that they took it upon themselves to offer him food and shelter every time he came around. 
He never accepted the offer of shelter, but would gladly take their food, thanking them with a grunt and gesture, and only a handful of times was he heard trying to speak broken English and uttering some phrases in French, which many speculate might have been his native tongue. Hi, um, uh, Mr. Leatherman, would you like... We've, we've got we've got sandwiches in a bag for you. Oh, oh I, is that a... Do you want the sandwiches in the bed? Oh, are you... Oh, you're aggressively just nodding at the sandwiches. You want the sandwiches? Oh, oh okay, yes, okay, you're... Yeah, here are the sandwiches. Did you want the... Did you want the bed? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, take the sandwiches. Okay, kids, get back inside. Okay, bye. We'll talk to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he never... Um... He never and then as, as he leaves, he's just like, bonjour. <laughs> bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> bonjour. <laughs> uh, once he finished his meal, he would always continue on his journey. Only once was he late. Uh, in the blizzard of 1888, the Leatherman found himself staying in a hospital due to his failing health, uh, quite possibly due to cancer. Um, Wait, but, what do you mean he was late? Oh, I'm... He, he always was on time every time with his trip. Like, always arrived precisely oh, so, at the same time so at every place. He, he you know was, like, I mean? walking in, like, a big circle around yeah, the state? Yeah, 365 mile circle between the Connecticut and Hudson River. So, between Connecticut and New York. And so, let's say you lived in one of the towns in between. If he arrived there one day at 9, every 34 days he would be there at 9. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like. He always got to the same spots at the exact same time. The only time was in 1888 because of the blizzard. He was, he was like right. late by four days. Um, but he, like, people liked this guy so much that like there was supposedly even like teachers who would award the best pupil with the ability to like feed the leather man. Like he was just like this well liked. He never talked to anyone. He was just like. Sometimes they people said that if they tried to um, like talk to him uh, or, or learn more about him, he would never come back to your house. Like he would grunt at you angrily <laughs> and never return to your house. Oh, um, that's awesome! Yeah, I love that. A strange Although, guy. It's typically 1800s that they were like, they were like, you know, you can feed him like a stray dog. Yeah. <laughs> You can pet him too if if you if you get an A on this on this paper you you can spray you can hose down the leather man when he comes into town. Just like I just imagine he's like he's like a kid going to pet him he's like uh, 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 and the kid's like shh, 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 and like sugar cube. like, like petting his cube. arm and he's just like uh, uh. yeah the teacher's just standing by like a like a fucking horse trainer and he's like you gotta approach him calmly hands yes, up yeah. give him just the sugar beat. cube. Beaming from ear to ear, just yeah. Oh my god, that's fucking um, insane. He would go on to die the following year of um, after he was late, uh, reportedly in one of his many caves. He was buried in a pauper's grave in Sparta Cemetery in Ossing, New York, or Ossining. Yeah, his yeah. grave became a very popular location among locals. And in 2011, the town's historical society decided to move him to a more central location, as the previous one was too close to the highway, and they also wanted to try and see if they could perform tests on the remains and quite possibly identify the mysterious man, who was previously falsely identified as Jules Bourglet. That didn't nice. sound French. Um, Jules Bourglet. There you go. Bourglet. Bourg, bourg, bourg. 
due to a story that circulated (laughs) during his lifetime that told how he was the disgraced suitor of the daughter of one of France's foremost leather speculators. Um, uh, I think this Jules guy was a real guy. But 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 then Probably. people but then people saw the leather man and were like oh that's him because he this Jules guy apparently after he uh, ruined uh, this guy's business he like fled Paris or France and he was never heard from so then when this guy showed up in Connecticut people were like that's that's him it's it's and him he's, because and he's, he's paying penance by wearing this sixty pounds of leather on him. Well, that's the thing, too, is it's like, yeah, it's like, no, it's not that, there's no, I'll tell you what the backstory is for this guy right now, Jose. Mm -hmm. He was a crazy man who walked around a a giant circle, living in caves, and wearing whatever clothes he was able to stitch together. Yeah. It was all leather, too. Like, boots. Yeah, I saw, I saw that, From his toes to his fucking head. Um, So, yeah, so... How, so the, apparently the people believe that he was Jules after having inadvertently brought the financial ruin of the Laren family. Bourglay fled France, mysteriously uh, surfaced in Connecticut. His first recorded appearance occurred in Harrington in 1858 and embarked on his lifelong and wordless penance. But this still persistent tale has since been debunked. Um, and when they dug up the grave, they found, this is the weirdest part. When they dug up the grave, they found nothing but a few coffin nails. This has only fueled the mystery around the old leather man. Did his body completely decompose or was he perhaps never buried there? Maybe he never died and continues to carry out his journey to this day. But yeah. I doubt that. I bet he's dead. Oh no, he definitely died. He's probably dead. He probably definitely decomposed. I think it was like, I mean, it would have been like 120 something years. Bef- How long does it do bones ever? Well, decompose? I don't know. It's it's strange because only coffin nails, like not even anything else was found. Right. And, and so, but I just think probably what happened was he just died and they just threw him in a ditch somewhere. And then somebody put, set up this grave. Right. I like to think. Him. Well, I like to think he probably that he he probably never made it to that town. They were just like, you know, he just stopped exactly, showing up. Yeah. And then that town was like, oh, it's, he died here. We got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But or a better theory I have is that some uh, very fashion forward teens getting mm. into streetwear dug yeah. him up and stole that sweet sweet leather suit. Hey man, I would wear. I would. That's something that I would not be surprised if I saw in the next uh, fashion week. Leather on leather on leather yeah. on leather on leather. <laughs> Just a fucking skinny ass model wearing sixty pounds of leather on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Stumbling like through sti- the runway. <laughs> big patches stitched yeah. together like fucking it's leather. It's different face. Yeah. colored fucking leather. Um, yeah, weird guy. Weird. It, it's just it just fascinates me because I I like I love the eighteen hundreds for this reason. There was so much weird shit that just like Cookie Jack was in the eighteen hundreds, and it's like. There was right. all these like strange characters that just existed. Like whoever it's was writing the, yeah. at that time, like must have had the most, the best inspiration to just draw from. Like, well, also just the fact that he didn't—he just grunted at me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the weirdest part. Yeah. Like I guess he, but you know, you'd think he would learn, have learned a little enough English. You know, it's like, but even yeah, like even people who speak broken English, they still speak it. They don't just go. Mm. Well, yeah, that's true too. But I mean, like I don't know. It's just like, I, yeah, he's he was a crazy. He's probably just crazy. Or he had a but, really high pitched voice. They're just like <laughs> Leatherman. Would you like to stay inside? And he's like, oh, I would like to say thank you, 
but I will be turning down your offer to stay inside. And they're like, whoa, what and then the he, fuck? He got, he got laughed out of that yeah. town. He had to move states, and then he just grunted from there on. Yeah, um, yeah weird guy. Okay, next one. Tucked away in the woods of Middlebury. <laughs> Sorry, or I just... In, the, <laughs> in France, I'm just imagining, you know, he's like... His mother's like... One day, Jacques, you will be the most famous singer in the world. And he's like, do you think so, mama? <laughs> and this, he's like 20 at that yeah. point. And he's, he's like, and she's like, yes, they will love you. And he's like, I'm going to America. And he gets to America and he's like, Ooh. and they're just immediately like, fuck you, you suck. You fucking pansy. I will never talk again. If my name isn't Jacques... High voice Leatherman. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that was, that's yeah. almost definitely what happened. <laughs> um, tucked away in the woods of Middlebury is a com- is a complex of crumbling doll-sized houses and strange structures next to the remain of an old stone house. This is the Little People's Village. There are two very popular legends surrounding the strange landmark. The first tells of a married couple which uh, some variations of the story include that the wife was a witch, like, you know, naturally. uh, As you would. As you would, who were living peacefully in the woods of Middlebury. One day, the wife began to see fairies. These small folks were gathering in the woods around their home, and in order to accommodate them, the wife demanded that her husband build a (laughs) tiny village for them. As the years passed and the village grew, the magic began to fade, replaced instead with madness. The abandoned Smurf-like village stands as a marker of the couple's demise. The second I story- told you, Barbara, they're not fairies. They don't need a village. I'm not building them a blacksmith and then shop. A, a fucking one of the little things just breaks a glass bottle. It's like, listen, you Smurfin son of a Smurf. Holy cow, my Jesus Christ! Okay, I'm gonna build all right, us a goddamn build- Smurf village right now, or we'll oh. fucking gouge your eyes out. Oh, oh my God! Okay, oh, hey, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> I'll build you the Smurf Village. I'm sorry. Just I mean, <clears throat> put the tiny bottle away. 15 seconds. The second story <laughs> tells of a man living in the stone house alone. One day, he heard the voices of the little people who instructed him to build the village. Eventually, he was driven insane by the voices that now seemed to be inside his head, and he committed hey. suicide in those woods. Hey, Jose. Hello, who's there? Ah, we're little people. Build us, uh, build us a house. Build us a, build us a whole village. I, you're little people. How, how can I hear you? What is going? How? What? How is this happening? What is going on? Uh, don't fucking look into it. Uh, just build us a village. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, but uh, put a, put a tiny, put a tiny whorehouse right there. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. I, don't... I didn't ask if you felt comfortable oh, with it. I, was oh, like, okay. I told you to build us a tiny whorehouse on the corner. I'll build a tiny whorehouse, okay? Okay, build a tiny whorehouse, good. Just installing good. tiny little... Oh, I guess now a whorehouse a... is different than a strip than a strip club, because I was going to say installing little, like, poles for the pole dancers. Maybe no, maybe, a... maybe there I was a tiny porn little... theater next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Building a tiny little theater. just You set up your phone to project fucking... <laughs> Um, yeah, so he committed suicide. Many of those who visit the site report that it's haunted by the spirits of the little people or the ghosts of the tormented victims of theirs. 
and that a strong energy is felt, and if you linger too long, you too will be driven mad by the voices of the little people. There's also what many believe to be a was a throne uh, that is present there, and legend says if you sit on it, you will die within seven years' time. Can you sit on it? How big uh, is the throne? I think you can. It's it's. Uh, I should have included a picture of the throne, but it's 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 not like human sized throne. It's it's not really a throne either. It's probably was like part of a garden piece. It's like one it of just those kindergarten like, chairs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Spooky or kooky? The little people. <laughs> do you see the picture I, I of mean, that little tiny house? Yeah, and it looks just like a like tacky lawn decor. Yeah, but it was like <laughs> you know, a whole. It's like, system i mean now not a lot of it remains because people vandalized it but Mm -hmm. it's it's a weird thing like if i stumbled on that in the woods i would be like what the fuck is this yeah i think some probably crazy dude built a village a tiny village and then he was like and then i'm gonna put a little throne here and then i'm gonna sit on that throne and i'll be i'm king king. (laughs) i'm king of the little i'm the papa smurf (laughs) he rips off papa smurf's beard and he puts it on he's just got a tiny little soul patch and ted and kevin from school they can't bully me here where <laughs> i'm king of the little yeah it's not even a crazy dude it was probably just a real lonely kid yeah that was like he would run home at night and he'd be like the little people are my only <laughs> friends and his parents would be like oh that's great and then they just look at each other like beep 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 hello <laughs> dr francis it's getting much worse I just yeah, that's what instead of yeah instead of the the married couple being driven insane, it was just a married couple being driven to divorce by their son <laughs> who was lonely and like weird, and they were just like you know the kid would be like or the dad would be like stop being so fucking weird, and the mom would be like no yeah he's fine, and, and then they ended up just getting a divorce, and the kid was you know the dad walks he probably the, walks into the kid's room and he's like I want you to drunk, know the divorce is shit faced yeah it's your fault and your goddamn in. little people. Why can't you be normal? Just play football. Uh. I do play football, Papa, with the little people. <laughs> I made yeah. them tiny. I made them tiny uniforms. <laughs> Look, and then he like holds up his hand, and he's got like helmets on each one of his fingers. <laughs> um. Yeah. What do you think? Spooky or kooky? Then it was kind of spooky until I made that whole backstory yep. to it, and now it makes me laugh. Um, I, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I'd be kind of creeped out if I walked into the middle of a forest and found, yeah, I th- I'd say you know, a tiny village. It's, it's kind of spooky, It's I a guess. fun, co- yeah, it's like a, it's like a fun spooky, like a kooky yeah. spooky, almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, now the real story behind this puzzling site's creation isn't so strange. While many believed that it was once a, on a trolley line that went to nearby Kwasi Amusement Park... It, and was an attraction linked to the park. Uh, this, however, is not the case. Its true history lies in 1924, when the property was bought by William Joseph Lannan, who built a gas station there. And a tiny gas station next to it. <laughs> At the time, the road beside uh, the property was a major stopping point between Middlebury and Waterbury. But in 1928, a new route was built that took drivers away from there, and so Lannan began converting the doomed gas station into a nursery. He planted trees and colorful flowers um, and began to build the infamous Little People's Village. Using brick, concrete, ceramic, and metal, he made small houses, churches, and a lighthouse as well as steps and rainwater-collecting pools. 
Electric lights would even light up some of the houses. The nursery never came to pass, however. After marrying and getting a new job, Lannan abandoned the village to nature, and after Lannan died in the 50s, the land was sold to a private buyer who still owns it to this day. From there, the legend was born one day, and so it remains to this smurfing day. <laughs> well, that's like, wait, that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like John, or it was John, right? John Lannan? Yeah, uh, yeah, John Lannan. Um, it just sounds like or jo- he, William Joseph. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I don't know where I got John from. Sorry, it sounds like he was just like right from John. Oh, Lennon. A bad it sounds like a John. bad businessman. Yeah, did sound like John. Yeah, it's just like what? I mean, <laughs> I just I I like how we went. <laughs> Who's gonna? Who's like? This is gonna be a nursery. Yeah. And the first step of building a nursery is, of course, the tiny village outside. Right. You know, it's like what the fuck? Like he was like, <laughs> oh no, my gas station didn't work. You know where there's money? Nurseries. I'm gonna build Babies. a nursery. <laughs> and the, and it's just like that. What is his first step in making a is nursery? Is to make these very detailed <laughs> miniature houses. Tiny villages. Yes. What the fuck? Like that's. Uh, no, John, I keep calling him John. No, William, fucking build the nursery part first. Where are you going to keep the babies at? Well, no. I haven't got that far yet, <laughs> but if they get tired of being inside, wherever that place is going to be, they can come outside to this tiny village that I made. Look, when I flip the switch, some of the lights come on. He builds, like, working electrical... <laughs> Electric and plumbing into the houses. Yes. Look, if I touch this button, this toilet will flush. This what? is too- that's great, John. But or, God damn it, that's great, William. But where do the babies? We sleep? invested fifty thousand dollars into this. I we're not getting I our money back, know. are we? Also, uh, that's a good point. Now that you brought that up, uh, listen, I'm gonna need a, like another fifty thousand dollars. Uh, what are you? Because the use first it for? fifty thousand. Well, obviously, as you can see, the first fifty thousand went into this tiny little village the next 50,000 will definitely go into the baby part of it mostly but also yeah we're not maybe a 50 hold on I'm not done hold on I'm not done but like only like you know like like most of it but like 10 of that will like go into like a, I was thinking about you know they needed like a they need like a sports uh like a, like a like a like a like a football field like a stadium you know cuz they're going to be they're going to have a football team and uh, well, obviously, you know, stadiums aren't cheap. You know what I'm saying? So well, you've we're going to need that. We're, we're pulling huh? out of this project. You, you've lost your mind. I haven't lost my mind. What, how could I have lost my mind if someone that's telling me that is just a voice in it? Boom. <laughs> you've done it again, William. You've done it again. They're oh going to love God. this tiny beep, village. Beep, beep. It's getting worse. <laughs> hey, Mom, was that you? <laughs> Uh, The final story out of Connecticut might be familiar to fans of horror films, as it has actually made an appearance on the big screen in the uh, film The Conjuring before getting films of its own. That's right, we're talking about the infamous Annabelle the Doll. Annabelle is a doll that supposedly has a demon attached to it and is capable of moving on its own and inflicting harm upon people. She resides in the Warren's Occult Museum, uh, in Connecticut. Is that a real thing? Annabelle? No, the uh, the Warren's Occult Museum? Yeah. I heard, I'm pretty sure those guys were assholes. Well, I don't know. Uh, but the real Annabelle <laughs> is... Sorry? 
<laughs> we'll get, it. We'll get, get into sued. it. I don't want to get sued by the Warrens. Uh, well, Ed and Lorraine uh, are no longer uh, alive. Uh, it's their son-in-law who runs uh, all of it now. And he's Although, still... to be honest, I mean, I make fun of him, but also I would go to that museum in a heartbeat. Oh, that yeah, for awesome. sure. I think that's another place that has to go on our list. Is there a cult museum? Oh, yeah. We can also... Just while this is up, I meant to text you this the other day. There's um in Santa Barbara, there's a bar called the Jury Room, mm-hmm. and it's where Ed Kemper would go after killing his people and talk. That's where he would go. It's like a cop bar that he would go talk to the police at. Oh, and so like he would get updates on the the case, and it's still open. Oh my god, yes, yeah, Okay, so, so sorry, that's on the list that too. too. Yeah, yeah. But the real Annabelle is not exactly like a menacing porcelain doll seen on the big screen. As a matter of fact, the real Annabelle is actually an oversized Raggedy Ann doll. This is her story, according to Ed and Lorraine Warren, famed paranormal investigators who investigated a wide variety of infamous cases such as the Amityville House, the Perrin Family Haunting, uh, which is the haunting that The Conjuring is based on, and the Southington, Connecticut Haunting, which A Haunting in Connecticut is also based on, and many, many more. They also did the one that Conjuring 2 was based on. Exactly, yes. Uh, The doll was reportedly a gift for a 27-year-old nurse from her mother, given as a cute little decoration piece for her new apartment. This young lady... (laughs) (laughs) Nothing says like I'm an independent 27-year-old woman like a doll Oversized raggedy and... Like a giant doll hanging out in your apartment. (laughs) Cheyenne Uh, makes me get rid of all my Winnie the Pooh bears that I have (laughs) hanging out all over ours. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like how else are people gonna know that like we're trendy and get it? That's what every time I went over and I saw those, I was like, Oh, you guys are trendy. Yeah, they get it. <laughs> you you're with it. Okay, cool. So you guys are like hip, alright. Uh this young <laughs> this pod this podcast episode will not be uh allowed in China because we mentioned Winnie the Pooh. This oh, young yeah, lady. sorry. I meant I meant the I meant the cartoon, not the not the leader of the that communist uh, hellhole, that uh, oppressive that oppressive nightmare of a country. This young lady was named. Donna. <laughs> All right, I guess that's the end of that. Are you being paid by China? Like you just no. shut down. Hey Mason, uh, listen. I'm just texting. Gotta roll like, it back hey, with the hey. China. Hey, real quick. Uh, is it Jiping or Jiping or whatever is uh, is the one funding this entire podcast? We Listen, are being I don't know his you. name, but I know how his money spins, and it's really well, so <laughs> leave it alone. You like those boots you got last week? Yeah, don't bring him up again. Uh, in the beginning, uh, sorry, this young lady was named Donna and had a roommate by the name of Angie. Both of the women were <laughs> nurses. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm just like, hey, Donna, again, uh, can we not, like, I'm have a... I got a guy coming over. Can we put the giant doll away? Like, I just thought maybe we could look like we're adults living in an apartment together, not like children. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, the doll has to stay. It like it makes people realize that we're cool and hip and trendy and we get it, you know? In the beginning, the activity was small and mostly unnoticeable or harmless. The doll would be found sitting in a different position than how she was left. For example, Donna would leave the doll with its arms and legs straight, and they would return to find it with its legs crossed and arms in different positions. As the haunting (laughs) went on, the doll would suddenly be found in different rooms of the apartment than where it was left. There was reportedly one time when the girls found the doll kneeling near the doorway, and when they tried to place it in a kneeling position themselves, found it was impossible to do so because it's a fucking raggedy Ann doll, and it has... 
nothing to keep it up. It's just a little floppy. Right. Yeah. The girls would claim that they then began to find notes seemingly written by the doll with a pencil on parchment. But when they searched the apartment, couldn't find any parchment paper. The first note was, I love you, with a W. (laughs) That's how they knew it was the doll. That terrified them. (laughs) They began to suspect that perhaps someone was breaking in and playing a joke on them, and so they changed the locks and secured the windows. You know, like how people break in and... (laughs) Leave a doll in different locations. Yeah, not just murder and steal (laughs) from people. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of breaking and entering I do. I just break into my neighbor's house and I, I, I leave something that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. So when they wake up, they're like, "What the fuck is this? Where did this?" I break into people's houses and just spit in their ears. So they wake up and they're like, "Eh, what the fuck?" It's ectoplasm. (laughs) I do something else in their ears anyway. But when they. Honey, do ghosts have drip. white ectoplasm? No, I drip. I, I I drip green green food coloring in afterwards. Okay. Um, but after so so they they changed the lock, secure the windows. After this, the haunting became much more aggressive. Things would often levitate before crashing down onto the floor. They would also discover things in their apartment that didn't belong to either of the girls. One such <laughs> example is one day the girls found a boot shaped piece of chocolate. On their stereo cabinet, a boot-shaped piece. Yeah, like of a little chocolate, old chocolate boot. <laughs> hey, is this? Is this? Hang on. Where, where'd, where'd this piece of chocolate shaped like Italy go? <gasps> Wait a minute, that's not Italy. That's a a, b- a boot. boot. Oh, <laughs> my one fear: cowboy shoes. Ah, cowboy um. shoes. <laughs> the girls decided they had enough and called a medium in to help them. The Warrens. I've had enough of this nonsense. Let's call a medium. <laughs> the Warrens made the point that this only agitated the demon living in the apartment, who tricked oh, the medium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you telling me you called in a medium after this? Yeah, we were really scared. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a classic rookie move. See, when mediums come in, it just pisses ghosts off. Oh no, really? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you should have called us first, because we're uh, not mediums. Well, my wife, I mean, she <laughs> talks to the ghosts. We're uh, larges. Because, well, she's a... Uh, <laughs> God damn it. I just... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, well, yeah, way to go, dumbass. You should have called Ghostbusters, not the medium. <laughs> Fucking rookies. So, the, the Warrens made the point that this agitated the demon who tricked the medium into thinking it was the spirit of a young girl who had died on the vacant lot that the apartment was built on, and that her name was Annabelle Higgins. When the medium... My name... <coughs> my name... My name is Annabelle Higgins. Would you that... I was gonna eat you so... Eat you so... I'm hearing so. the spirit. It's a simple... Innocent little girl. Ah, it's me. I'm a simple little innocent girl. Wait, what? Hang on. Hang on. I'm hearing something else. I'm an innocent girl. I'm a little girl. It's still just an innocent little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The demons are just like the demons that possess the fucking girl from the exorcism in Iowa. Yeah, I'm just a little girl. I just want some little Caesars. Get some little Caesars up in here. It's a little girl who is starving for Little Caesars. You must get Little Caesars now. 
You can tell I'm a little girl by the once me of Little Caesars, because they're little and I'm little. You know how little girls love Little Caesars, and they, they, <laughs> they want you to get some uh, get some crazy bread, too, please. <laughs> um, and a diet Pepsi, I'm watching my figure. <laughs> when the medium asked why the spirit was attached to the doll, the demon spun a lie, saying that it was just lonely and wanted to play, taking advantage of the girl's caring nature. The demon then. <laughs> the demon. Oh, uh, okay. I'm just gonna put this on record now that if a, de- if a if a ghost comes into my house and is like, I'm just lonely. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just You're a widow. A ghost. I'm just a widow. No, oh, lonely the, ghost. Shut the fuck I up. I ain't gonna ghost. hurt you. No, I don't give a shit. Get out of my house. You're a ghost, and I don't want you here. Come on, Regardless just give me some little Caesar's pizza. What's the big deal? Whoa. I just want some pizza. Whoa. Come on. Whoa, actually, okay, you seem kind of cool. Actually, I'll. I'll get the Little Caesars for you. (laughs) The demon then asked for permission to stay with the girls and live inside the doll. The girls, believing there was no harm in the request, gave their permission. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a ghost. (laughs) And it was after the mediums. (laughs) It's so fucking stupid. I would never. I would never. Like, I don't care. Like, it's like you said. If it's a... I don't care. I don't want you here. Like... But also, I mean, what... You're just gonna live with a ghost? sure... In a doll? I'm sure there's there's some significant... Yeah, this, this is a third roommate, Annabelle. This is a she's fucking a little, she's sitcom. A <laughs> she's just walking around like, Oh, hey, Donna, can I have some pizza? Little Caesars, please. <laughs> Stop, you can't have that every... You don't have a stomach, you're a doll, Annabelle. You can't have Little Caesars. Please? All right, I'll get Little Caesars for you. But also, I know there's going to be some, like... Like, significance in the fact that they gave the permission, mm-hmm. but the demon was already living there, so does it matter? Um, I, I, okay, so from my understanding, and I, I would love it if somebody were to correct me on this, but when, like, a haunting occurs with a demon, they first, like, the, the activity is always low level because they haven't, like, when you invite them in, when you give them permission, it sort of emboldens them, and it makes it so that... If you try to remove them, the removal is a lot harder because you've given permission. Does that make sense? So, yeah, they're just like a bad house guest. Yeah, like, will you they're let me like, stay here? So yeah, they come over. It's like the guy who like like comes over all the time and like just eats food from your like mm-hmm. a refrigerator without asking. Right. But then the time that you you ask him if like he's down on his luck and you're like you want to stay and then he's there like four months later. Exactly. Just like fucking jizzing on your couch every day. I didn't mean to jizz on your couch. Okay. I... <laughs> I don't know why you're throwing that in my face again. I thought we were over this. <laughs> well, to be fair, you threw it in my face the first time. It was an accident. I thought you were. I know I, you were. I know you were startled, but still. That's my defense mechanism. What do you want me to do? <laughs> okay, so they let them in, right? Um, they let the demon right. in. Um, they let the wrong one in. Yes. Uh, it was after the medium's visit that things really took a turn for the worse. One day, the girls came home to find the doll on the couch with three drops of blood on its chest and blood smears on the back of its hand. Donna panicked and called her. Oh no! This Lou. is just pizza sauce. <laughs> oh no! Don't worry. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I just—it was a lot of tomato sauce. I—it wasn't the best pizza. What do you want me to say? I got the deep dish today. I—I I felt like being adventurous. <laughs> uh, so she calls her boyfriend Lou to come over, and this is when <laughs> shit gets real. Uh, when Lou arrived, he took the doll and placed it in a bedroom and closed the door. A few moments later... 
Just put it in the trash, you idiots. Right? I, a few moments later. I, imagine, I can only imagine being that boyfriend that like, he's like, what? I'm sorry, you're... Do- yeah, okay. Okay. So, all right, so the doll, yeah, it's a doll. Okay, Just fucking yeah, well, opens the window and what do you it want it to the do? fucking street. So you don't want it, you can't get, okay, why don't we, do you want it in the, we'll put it in the bedroom. Okay, Donna, the doll's in the bedroom. Uh, did you want to go out to dinner tonight, or? Well, we can't, the the, the doll. <laughs> right, okay, I guess we'll just hang out again. <laughs> oh no, the doll's going crazy, Lou. <laughs> um, so you put it in the bedroom, close the door. A few moments later, they were startled by the sounds of loud banging and screaming coming from the room. When Lou entered the room to investigate, he found the doll crumpled up in the corner, but was also met with the uneasy feeling that something was standing behind him. When he turned to face a stranger, he was attacked. An invisible hand began to choke him and claw at his chest. Seven claw marks crisscrossed his chest. They bled profusely, but then healed at an alarming rate. You're not the delivery man. You brought Domino's, you goddamn idiot. With I said Little Caesars. Little Caesars. I'm going to scratch it into your chest. <laughs> L-I-T-T. It just scratches pizza, pizza into his chest. Uh, within, uh. within 48 hours, there was no sign of the attack upon his body. The girls... Uh, okay, so it's not that bad. Then. Exactly. The girls would reach out to a local priest who, in turn, reached out to his friends, Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're like the cameo appearance in a fucking... like in a TV show. Mm. Uh, when the Warrens arrived, they interviewed Donna, Angie, and Lou at the same time. It was they're, the ex- they're the experts that Pawn Stars calls. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was at this point that Lou confessed he had a previously untold strange encounter with the doll. He told them how he had awoken one night to find the doll at his feet, but watched it, but watched helplessly as it climbed up him and began to strangle him. It was as if he was paralyzed and unable to defend himself. It's just, just I didn't, I didn't tell you this, Donna. It was just that. When it started choking me, I was I, I was really into it. <laughs> Just imagine a fucking ragdoll <laughs> climbing up under the chest of a grown-ass man and choking him with its sock fucking hands. I'm imagining like it's like like the doll is like fiercely like shaking, you know, while straight, and he's just like, I don't. He's just it's like not. Ah, I mean. You're not okay, that heavy. It's a little. It's like a tie. It's like a tie. I'm like. It's like I'm wearing a tie. He just fucking a little pushes her off. It tries to get back on stop. him again. Stop. 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 Oh my god. He's like, stop. He's like doing that thing where he holds it in the forehead and it's like trying to like walk at him <laughs> and it's just like standing there because he's pushing it back. Um. After sharing their stories, the girls confessed they were planning on moving out of the apartment. Ed told them that it wouldn't help. Ed stated that it that all of the gestures the doll made, the transportation of the doll around the apartment, the letters written on parchment, and the three drops of blood, a mockery of the Trinity, all proved there had been intent behind the entity's action. This one, deter- this one determining factor that sep- the one determ- this is oh, fucking hell. This is <laughs> one determining factor that separates a haunting from a de- demonic infestation. Spirits don't have that kind of ability. Only something inhuman has this type of power. The Warrens... Wait, the power to do what? Um, to, uh... <clears throat> like... I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know what he, I don't know what he meant. Hang on. <laughs> this is a determining... 
I don't know what the fuck he meant by that. I think he means like an an entity, <laughs> like a, like a spirit is never going to make a mockery of the Trinity. It's always going to be something demonic, gonna, right? If, uh, I'm, the, if I'm a ghost, I'm gonna fuck. It. I'm gonna do that. The like a spirit <laughs> can't write shit. It can't you know like oh. be moving or like it it doesn't have the power to move. A spirit cannot move an object like a like a doll like that. So how do you even know if you have a ghost? That's a good fucking question. <laughs> the Warrens uh, then called. Oh yeah, pre- this is a demon. Ghosts can't move shit around like that. Oh yeah, you gotta fucking. Yeah, no, you gotta. This is a little Caesar's pizza. Is, uh, is fucking amazing. <clears throat> you gotta. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, is this Did little this Caesar's is little pizza? Caesar's? <laughs> oh my fucking no! god, Lorraine, <laughs> go get the Bible. This is the difference. This is the real difference. <laughs> yeah. Ghosts can do all that shit, but they don't love little Caesars. Demons do for some reason. We don't know why. Ghosts but... are ghosts are really more of uh, chicken. <laughs> They'll get Kentucky they ask for fried a Popeyes chicken. <laughs> or a Popeyes. Yeah, you got a ghost. They ask for little Caesars. Oh, that's a big demon there. <laughs> Lester demons, they just go for dominoes. <laughs> the Warrens then called a priest to come perform an exorcism and bless the apartment and everything in fuck? it. You see, a quote. So, no, no. Mm-hmm. So these people went to a priest. And the priest went to the Warrens, and the Warrens went to a priest? So the priest went to the Warrens for them to investigate it first, because he wasn't sure what it was, right? He calls them, but Ed and Lorraine you guys were, Turns out you guys were right all along. You just need a priest. So Ed and Lorraine aren't... They never performed exorcism, because that's one thing that the Conjuring movies gets wrong, is that Ed and Lorraine Warren never performed exorcisms, because yeah, they, they were not... they just walked a, around and were like, yeah, this place is definitely haunted. Oh, you see this... <laughs> See the soft spot in the wall here? Yeah, that's a ghost. Because they weren't ordained, and so they couldn't do it. You have to be an ordained uh, a priest to be able to perform an exorcism. So they were, they sure. never did it. So that's yeah. why they called the priest. Um, right. They just knew when ghosts were there. Yes. Well, and Lorraine was a clairvoyant, so she, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Ed was mm-hmm. a demonologist. Uh, so you could do everything but the exorcism. I got my degree at... <laughs> Uh, Phoenix Unit. What's the what's the online college? Yeah, I think Is it's Phoenix University. Yeah, I think so. I I got my degree in demonology at uh, Stephen Henniger's College. <laughs> you see, according to Ed Warren, a demon can only attach itself to an object, not possess it. It can only possess people. After the priest finished, Donna requested that the <laughs> Warrens take the doll with them, and so they did. Oh, what? <laughs> you laughed. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. The- the priest finished. Oh. <laughs> the priest, did, he finished. He finished in the house. But it didn't end there. Ed was concerned that the demon had not detached itself from the doll, so he placed it in the backseat of the car. And on their drive home, <laughs> it seemed like their new... <laughs> Out of the drive home, it seemed like their new cars... No, stop! <laughs> he fucking... I think there's a... Lorraine, I'm worried there's still a demon attached to this. We better put this one. Trunk. We better put this one in the back seat. We better put it in the baby seat. No, no, no! Don't hold this one in your lap, Lorraine. This one needs to go in the back seat. There's still a powerful demon attached to it, and only the power of the back seat of this Camaro is gonna help us. <laughs> and on their drive home, it seemed like their new car stalled at every dangerous curve, with the power steering and brakes failing at at every stall. The third time it happened, Ed pulled the car to the side of the road and pulled out a vial of holy water and tossed it on the doll and made the sign of the cross on its forehead, and things remained quiet until they reached their home. You know what? If we almost die on one more turn, I'm going to suspect that demon is still back there. 
All right, demon, you've got me. <laughs> Hold on. I want little I'm Caesars. It. Get little Caesars. I'm, Get little I'm Caesars. Flick it. I'm ah, flicking on it like, ah, like pickle juice would. Damn like it. Flick pickle juice. Ah. Yeah, all right. We'll be fine now. Ori oh, almost forgot the cross. Boop, boop. All right. <laughs> that stopped it. Originally, Ed just left the doll in a chair next to his desk in his office. The doll would be <laughs> I think there's a demon still attached to it. We better put it right, in the back like seat, that's, This is the part that baffles like, me, that he's just like, I'm going to put it in right next to where I do my work. Uh, it can help me. The <laughs> Ed. Ed. You should do that one. You think we should take this case? Yeah, you should do that one. I think I got a buddy there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just give me some Little Caesars pizza. We'll call can it we get, Can we stop on the way? <laughs> You're not coming with us on this one. You, no. The last time you came on an investigation, we you, you charged a bunch of pizzas to the family's uh, credit card account. <laughs> Why can I say I'm a demon? Originally, uh, Ed just left the doll in a chair next to his desk. Um, the doll would begin to levitate and then fall inert. A few days later, the doll began showing up in other rooms of the house. And on one occasion, when the Warrens were away, the doll was locked in an outside storage building. When they returned, it was found upstairs in the house, sitting in Ed's easy chair. When Annabelle made her return, she did not come alone. She brought with her a friend, a black cat that would sometimes... This is that buddy I was talking about. <laughs> a black cat that sometimes would materialize besides the doll. Oh, the, that's the best. The, that would be the best. I, I was thinking, like, you would like this kind of haunting. I would love a haunting uh, that was just a black cat, a ghost cat, that just showed up in my house. I'd be like, this is the best. I the cat would make here. its way around Ed's office, inspecting books or other haunted objects, before returning to Annabelle's side and dematerializing from head down. That is that was the best. All I want is that. <laughs> it was also said it's by It's just a ghost cat? Yeah. It does much. normal cat shit, mm -hmm. but it's a ghost? Yep. Oh, that would be amazing. It was also said by the Warrens that whenever a holy man was present at the home or on the phone, the doll would produce loud growling sounds that would reverberate around the the house. Annabelle would remain in the Warren home for some months after until the day when there was an attack on a priest at a large social gathering in their home. While in conversation with Lorraine Warren, Father Jason Bradford saw something moving out of the corner of his eye. Seconds later, a 24-inch 24, a 24 boar's tooth necklace exploded above them. The noise was so loud that other guests heard it and ran into the kitchen. A nearby guest had been taking a photograph at the time of the occurrence, and when the film was developed, all appeared normal with the exception of two beams of light that were coming from Annabelle and pointing directly at Father Bradford. After this, Ed would open the Occult Museum, where Annabelle would find her new permanent home behind a glass in a case marked with the words, Warning, Positively Do Not Open. Once again. Okay, so all this demon shit is happening for like months, and the Warrens are just like, eh. Eh. Alright. Okay. Whatever. And then finally it's like, alright, he almost killed someone. Put him in a box with a sign. Well, I just, like, uh, I, to, to their defense, I suppose, they're... So I mean, if you're so used to being around shit like this, what's a what's a doll moving around the house? You know, I'm assuming they had all sort of wacky adventures with their haunted items. But Mason, do you, maybe do you know. fear her or do you sneer at her? And it should be noted that the last person who disregarded her as nothing more than a doll and opened the case, according to Ed Warren, crashed his motorcycle into a sh tree shortly after leaving the museum. Yeah, I don't believe that. I well, don't really. You're gonna die it. now, so I hope you're happy. Well, I didn't open the. Nope. Excuse me, the case. I just. 
Well, because, like, I don't know who... Uh, you know, there's no evidence of any of this shit happening. It's just the, it's just the Warrens d- saying this happened, and I don't believe them any more than I believe any other people who would just say this happened with no evidence that it happened. But the... So, the, so it's all kooky to you, then? Yeah. I think it's... I think it's kooky to me too, but, but for the reason that I don't find, well, I just don't find her menacing. Like Robert the Doll. Have you heard of Robert the Doll, the one that inspired Chucky? No. Uh, he's he's an, another doll that also kind of same shit happened with him, but he kind of looks a little weirder to me, so like he would be more menacing. Like if Annabelle looked like how she does in the movies, then maybe I would be like, that's spooky. Like imagine that doll doing that shit to you. But a fucking mm. Raggedy Ann doll, I don't. Ah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to completely discount the story. I think it's believable, but um, it's. I think it's kooky for me. Yeah, I don't, and I should be clear. I think the Warrens are the ultimate, like, they are the MCU of oh, yeah. horror movies, oh, yeah. and I love that. I think they I have, love. I love the cinematic Warrens a lot. I don't know. Well, like, and I, I mean, I even love just, like, the stories of the Warrens, mm-hmm. but I just don't believe, you know, I don't believe yeah. them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fair but I, 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 they're, I think their stories are great. I think they're, uh, you know, I think the idea of what they are are pretty cool, uh, but I just don't think that they, I just don't really believe them when right. that, that they talk about. Because I remember, I don't know, and I, probably, I shouldn't even bring this up, you can cut this if you need to, but it was like a clip of like, you know, someone was like a, a you know, like a accusing Warren of, uh, the Warrens of, you know, being fake or whatever, and their like best response to that was just like, well, we believe in God, and God says believe without evidence. So yeah, and I was like, well, okay, <laughs> well, it's like you know, and also, I mean, do they have any pictures of like hauntings and shit from all their research? Yes, like I've seen I think some he has from the. Okay, maybe I should read his book. I, I guess because I've it's... seen some of the pictures from the Conjuring Two, the the England, you know, haunted house. Um, I forget their names, but you know, and that was our that was pretty interesting. But also, the Warrens didn't even do that much there. If you want more information on the Conjuring Two haunting in England, you should listen to the last podcast. They did a great episode on it, and they like broke down like the Warrens were there for like two days. Yeah, and, yeah, no, like, that's it was, the like, thing. They, yeah, two other investigators did everything for it, and like, but still, I I do like the I like the Conjuring stuff. Yeah. I guess so. Mason, let's do an ad. Okay. Mason, you know what's something that I've recently wanted to start doing more of? Uh, Anything productive to your mental or physical health? No, actually, I've been wanting to start reading more, but I just find Oh, well, okay, but you should really start doing something about your mental and physical health. But I just find myself so busy sometimes that I just don't have time to sit down and actually devote time to physically reading a book. Do you are you are you exercising and going to therapy in the times that you, that's why you're too so busy? No. Okay. Well, all right. Well, you know what? It's fine. I got the thing for you, Jose. Have you ever heard of Audible? Audible? No. Oh, you dummy. It's Audible. The the things we've been doing. We've been doing ads for him for like ten episodes now. What? You wrote you write these ad breaks. Do you not know? How do you not know what Audible is? I don't. 
I don't under. I don't. I. <laughs> I hate you. I want to do this podcast with someone else. Audible. Oh. <laughs> uh. Audible boasts a collection of thousands of audiobooks, and the thing that Audible offers busy people who don't have time to sit down and read a book is found time, which is the ability to listen to a great audiobook when you're on the move, while commuting, cooking, exercising, gardening, or they got great books on learning how to pay fucking attention to your podcast co-host while we read ad breaks. And right now, you can get a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash captainslog, or by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm recommending- I'm sorry, you- so you knew that information beforehand, but you still forgot what Audible was? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm recommending one of my favorite books, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and narrated by Carrie herself- Sissy Space. If audiobooks aren't your thing, they also have a huge collection of podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. So fucking give it a try, why don't you? Go get started on your 30-day free trial now by going to audibletrial.com slash captainslog or again by clicking the link in the show notes. And you'll be helping us out while helping yourself out. So go get started now and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Next, we travel to America's smallest state, the ocean state of Rhode Island. The year... It's the ocean state? Yeah, I guess that's what it's called, the ocean state. All right. The year was 1892, and tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in the United States. Make was, America great again. It was known at the time as consumption, and there was no cure available for the disease, which was not understood by experts or the public at the time. And as if this wasn't bad enough, the people of Exeter, Rhode Island, also had to worry about a vampire that was stalking their community. This is the legend of Mercy Brown, the last American vampire. It Mercy st- Brown is a great like black exploitation f- film name yeah. from like this you know like the 70s mm-hmm. like Shaft and then and like Mercy Brown that would be pretty good. Yeah. It all started when a local farmer named George Brown lost his wife Mary Eliza to tuberculosis in 1884. 2 years later his oldest daughter Mary Olive would also succumb to the disease. As the family members begin to die one by one, the town folks begin to suspect that was that what was behind the untimely deaths could perhaps be something more sinister. However, something more sinister than ignorance of disease, you say? Yes. However, the family would remain in good health until 1891, when George's son, Edwin, became ill with a disease. He retreated to Colorado Springs, hoping that the change in climate would help. In the meantime, his sister Mercy had fallen ill and succumbed to the disease, dying in January of 1892. Or so Jesus. it appeared. Edwin would return to Exeter in 1892 after getting homesick and would become more ill than before. (laughs) I almost said homesick. You know what? Well, you know what's worse than being homesick is just being sick with fucking tuberculosis. (laughs) Oh, I know I'm going to die, but I miss my home so badly. Mm, I surely may die if I don't return to home. No, you're going to die anyway. (laughs) You will surely die if you return home, sir. This is when the town folk began to understand what was occurring. They went to George Brown and told him of the superstition that claimed that by some unexplained and unreasonable way, in some part of the diseased relative's body, live flesh and blood can be found, and that if this was the case, they are feeding on the living who are in feeble health. 
They are a vampire. Edwin, Edwin, quick, we found out the problem. <laughs> <laughs> to, to your family's uh, to your family's sickness. Yeah, I think it's tuberculosis. <laughs> no, you dumbass. Listen to this. It's probably that even though the bodies are dead, that the the blade, the flesh, and the blood is still alive, and they're sucking the living from you in order to keep being alive, but also dead at the same time. That doesn't make any sense. I think I just have tuberculosis. <laughs> What's tuberculosis? It's a. Dis- is that the name of the vampire in the town? We're gonna get that tuberculosis. Tuberculosis and drive a stake through his heart. Mr. Brown didn't believe the townsfolk, but reluctantly allowed them to dig up his wife and daughters to examine their corpses. When the t- oh my god! <laughs> Love the 1800s. We're gonna, we have to dig up your family, your dead daughters and wife. What? Uh, Why? We gotta dig them up in order to kill the vampires, dummy. Let oh us dig up your. Man, let's dig him up. Oh, this one. Oh, this one's a who? Your youngest daughter. Oh, she's a she's ripe smelling corpse. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. Yucky. Look, hey, look, look, Edwin. Look, I'm waving at you with her arm. Look, oh, 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 oh god. Oh, oh, fuck! Oh, god. It fell off. Oh god, her arm. I'm just gonna tuck that back in here. <laughs> when the- man, vampire hunting is fun. <laughs> When the town folks did uh, uh, exhume the bodies, they found nothing but the decaying corpses in the graves of Mary Eliza and Mary Olive. But yep, when they Mary's o- dead. Eliza, she's dead too. Mary number two? Yeah, <laughs> definitely dead. Well, <laughs> this is probably traumatizing for you, Edwin. Sorry about that. But when they opened the casket of mercy, they found her body was laying on its side in a nearly perfect condition. No decay mm-hmm. and with longer nails and hair than when she was buried. Well, the- you did drop the coffin on the way in, remember? No, no, it has to be a vampire. That's the only. The vampire made me drop it. <laughs> the town folks realized that they had a vampire among them, and when they cut out her heart, sure enough, there was flesh blood within. They How long bur- ago did she die? We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, they burned the heart and lungs and mixed them with water and gave it to Edwin in order to cure him. But it was too late for Edwin and oh. he succumbed to the disease. <laughs> but the vampire threat well, yeah, had been I'm subdued. I'm sure the fucking tuberculosis blood and organ uh, smoothie probably wasn't going to help a whole lot anyway. But the vampiric threat had been subdued. Or had it. <laughs> Many visitors to Chestnut Hill report seeing a woman fitting Mercy's description wandering the grounds and occasionally hear the sounds of a woman being of a woman wailing being carried through the wind. So Mason, spooky or kooky? I mean it's so dumb. Obviously they're just like just imagining. Can you imagine if more people started dying to tuberculosis because mm-hmm. they fucking dug through the corpse of three tuberculosis-ridden people <laughs> and then were like, oh, God, it's still a vampire. <laughs> Quick, everybody drink the tuberculosis you. blood to keep it away from you. Again, the fucking craziness of the 1800s. Like, I, it's just insane. Like, I was, I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2 the other day. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this they make so like they make fun of the Wild West so much in this. It's crazy. But then I'm like, are they really making fun or are they just really depicting the craziness that occurred? Like, yeah, it, I, to me, it's kooky. It's I because it was clearly. To, well, I guess maybe at the time the let no, because the legend still persists that she was a vampire and is still alive. So fucking kooky to me. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. It's tuberculosis. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be spooky if, like, 
people went missing or exactly, something. Exactly, right. Just, no one, it was just, just the one family, and they were like, it's a vampire. This fucking town of dumbasses was just dug them. You know there was one Trump in that town that was oh, like, yeah. there's, there's a vampire, we're going to kill it, no problem. <laughs> and he was like getting paid by tuberculosis. Yeah. big tuberculosis. <laughs> yes. Now, like, no, it's a vampire. We've got doctors, they're telling us what it is. It's a vampire. Those doctors are in the pockets of the vampire. I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so so you what, you think it's kooky or you think it's spooky? Yeah, I think it's kooky. So unfortunately, did this did happen. And at the time, there was this vampire panic sweeping through New England, which was dealing with a high number of tuberculosis cases. Vampanic. Uh, the, there you go. Author Diana Ross McCain reports that there were 18 documented instances of the exhumation of family members in suspected vampire cases throughout New England in the 18th and 19th century. But the case of Mercy Brown would be the last. It should also be noted that the local doctor Harold Metcalf, uh, who raises objection to the whole ordeal, assured the townsfolk that the reason for Mercy's lack of decomposition is because she had only been dead for two months. <laughs> And, and was being kept above ground in a crypt in the winter until the ground would thaw out and she could be buried. <laughs> oh my god, so it was super cold, probably. Yep. Uh, I found a newspaper clipping of the time, and it made no mention of the longer nails or longer hair. Uh, so that seems that that was just added to the legend. Uh, well, doesn't your hair, don't they keep growing for a little bit after you die? I think they do, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, I mean, it's not crazy to think mm -hmm. that that would happen, yeah. Um, but no one can explain why her body wasn't in the same position. That was a weird thing. Um, I'm sure some asshole just dropped the cup. Probably, yeah. Like when they were lowering it, oh, I guess when they were putting it in the tomb, they just dropped one side yeah. a little quick and the fucking body gets jostled to the side. Yeah. And they did make her brother drink the ashes of her heart and lungs. That was a real thing that did occur. Oh my fucking God. Um. Here's an interesting one, Mason. See, see if you can tell me who it reminds you of. It's a, it's a bit of a short one. In the forests of Cumberland lies. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Before you before you read this, I think I should mention. Uh, I th believe that was uh, that Bram Stro Stoker, the guy who wrote Dracula, was inspired by that last um, story. I believe. Oh yes, yeah, right. I sorry, I, I just thought I knew. It, yeah. I've I, I've heard of that, and I, yeah. I thought I'd just mention that real quick because that's and that I think gives it that makes it uh, a lot I, better, I guess. You yeah, know? it's like it's it, fucked up, but at least some of America's greatest literature. It's just like you were saying earlier in the 1800s. You know, to be a writer in that yeah, time, like I mean, fuck, exactly. we got Dracula because of this crazy shit. So yeah, bright side, I guess. <laughs> so did Edwin have to drink his brother, his sister's ashes? Sure, but like we got Dracula, so yeah. Tough luck, Edwin. You're dead too. It doesn't you matter. You should hear what happened for Jane Austen to write Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> now here's an issue. Like I said, this, this this tell me if, if uh, who this reminds you of as I go along. Okay, in the forest of Cumberland lies a camp. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, you got it. <laughs> okay, well that's it. This, this is the legend that inspired the creation of Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> in the forest of Cumberland lies a camp known as Camp Kerana. There, they tell the stories of a disfigured maniac with long, sharp fingernails who likes to murder campers. They call him either Hotshot Charlie or Fingernails Freddy. Hotshot Charlie. Who, do, who does it remind hot you of? Hotshot. I know, I get where you're going with this, but they called him Hotshot Charlie. 
<laughs> he wore sunglasses and he was really cool. He had a leather jacket on and he would go, "Hey!" Well, and then he would. But murder to him. answer to answer your question, honestly, it sounds like a mix between, um, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger and Jason because mm-hmm. it's like the camp and shit. Yeah, yeah. So the oral stories of Fingernails Freddy go back <laughs> to gross. at least the mid twentieth century. <laughs> now this next bit, so so we're talking like the fifties. So, uh-huh. this next bit comes from the book Food for the Dead by Dr. Michael Bell. Uh, quote, one former camper told it this way. He was a guy that lived in the woods, and because he lived in the woods for so long, his, gr- his nails grew really long, and he didn't like all the noise the campers made, so they used to say, don't make noise at night because Fingernail Freddy is going to come in and claw you with his fingers with his nails. Oh, it also remembers, um, reminds me of the, is it Tom Green or Seth Green movie, Freddy Got Fingered? I don't know. I don't know. Probably Seth Green, right? Uh, um, I th- well, I think it's Tom Green. Oh, okay. Um, don't know. What's that movie about? It's a comedy. You don't remember the brief comedy stylings of Tom Green? He no. was like, he was like a he was huge in like for like two years. He was like he kind of reminded me of Sasha Baron Cohen almost. Uh, only like in like the early two thousands, he had like a hit of like goofball comedy movies oh yes okay yeah uh, yeah and then yeah literally he was oh my god he was married to drew barrymore yeah for i'm just looking at year. it yeah. oh jesus christ yeah no he was like uh he was like huge for like yeah he like made freddie got fingered and like everyone yeah um he wasn't as like um he wasn't as like i don't know as uh, controversial as like Sasha Baron Conan, but he kind of did the same kind of thing that reminds me of him, but he's yeah. not as good as him. Anyway, this is Jose and Mason Talk Tom Green, the only Tom Green <laughs> podcast. Um, another former camper and counselor at the camp related this story. Hotshot Charlie was a man named Charles Torrey who lived in the area of Camp Corona many, many, many years ago. He was a homesteader with his wife and two daughters, and he had a small log cabin and plenty of fields to grow his food. And he was always troubled by vandalism from kids who would come from the city on weekends. I'm sorry, this is in like the 1800s is when the story took place, or? Uh, no. Not when the story was being told, but like when he's saying it took place. Uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. There's no, this legend is very, Well, just because he's a homesteader makes me think it's like cowboy Um, times, but I don't know. So... They'd let out his cows and knock over his crops and give him a lot Better of Better than grief. let out his crops and knock over his cows. Exactly. So Charlie <laughs> finally got himself a shotgun and filled it with rock salt. The next mm. time the kids came, he fired at them and hit them with the rock salt. Of course, it burned and hurt, and they decided to get even. They went back and said... <laughs> That's not how getting even works. You don't get, you don't get even by, by fucking with someone, and then they get you back for fucking with them, and then you're like, now it's time to get even. It's like, no, motherfucker. Now you made they, it personal. You just got... You were you were just even when he got you back. Now you're a one-upping him again, you dicks. They went back and set Charlie's cabin on fire while he was out Holy on one shit. of the barns. When he saw the flames, he went running into the cabin knowing that his wife and two kids were in there. He tried to save them, but couldn't, and he was severely burned. Uh-huh. I like how these kids... Uh-huh. Yeah. Ha, ha, we uh-huh. got you, idiot. We got ha, you, ha, Charlie. Your kids are dead. And your wife and kids are dead. <laughs> his face and much of his body was so badly disfigured that he stopped going into town and became like a hermit. Uh-huh. Get... You look gross now. <laughs> to, to get us... we're, like, we're like 20 now. <laughs> we're still... 
still doing it. To get his revenge, if any kids go into the woods near his house, he kills them. He lived just a little bit north of the camp property. There's still a foundation. If you look, you can still see it all covered over and buried. No one knows sure, no one's sure exactly where Charlie stays, but he lives in the forest. He's out there somewhere, always lurking and waiting. Spooky or cookie, Mason? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, uh, I think yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I yeah. mean, it's pretty classic, but yeah. I, I like it, yeah. It should be noted that Wes Craven never officially attributed the concept of Freddy Krueger to Fingernails Freddy. He instead stated in an interview uh, in 2014 with Vulture, uh, I'd read an article in the LA Times about a family who had escaped the killing fields in Cambodia and managed to get to the U.S. Things were fine, and then suddenly the young son was having disturbing nightmares. He told his parents he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him. So he tried to stay awake for days. When he finally fell asleep, his parents thought this crisis was over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night, and by the time they got him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare, which of course was a very frequent cause of death for Asian men in the 1980s, and has been attributed to the medical term Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, or SUNS. That in itself is a crazy story, but yeah. So that's, he never, he oh never was like. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Yeah, there, it, not even the. It was a frequent death for Asian men. Yeah, like in the eighties, like uh, men coming from like, I think it was Cambodia or Laos. Yeah, I mean, um, I assume because Cambodia was like a, that was like Popod or Pol Pot yeah. and shit. Uh, he was. I fucked. was listening to another uh, podcast. I had a brief segment on it. This, this, and they said that a lot of them believed in a, uh, a in their culture believed in a demon that would kill people in their sleep. Um, oh. and, and, and usually they and that had mixed to... with PTSD from, yeah. uh, like the horrible situation mm-hmm. they were in. Yeah. So crazy, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting that mm. there's these similarities, uh, even though I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he heard the story though and mixed it with this idea of, yeah, I mean, like I'm it's, sure. it seems too coincidental for him not to, but yeah, I, but I get it. But I mean, I mean, you know, his his what his quoted thing sounds like a more oh yeah for sure a much more substantial and like you know like uh, inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty scary just in itself. Yeah. Um. But it also. I mean, it also the fact that it was like a like a summer camp. You know, it, 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 I, I can't believe there's no reference to Jason. Right. For you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like you know because Jason killed at the camp and he was mm-hmm. disfigured and shit. But you yeah, know, I don't know. And now we close out the episode with another case from the infamous Ed and Lorraine Warren, the case of the Perrin family haunting, better known as the inspiration for The Conjuring. It all began in January of 1971. The Perrin family moved into what they thought would be their dream home, a 14-room farmhouse on 200 acres of land in Harrisville, Rhode Island. But almost immediately, the family would come to realize that their dream could instead be a nightmare. Right away, the parents were reportedly warned by a neighbor to leave their lights on at night. The haunting was so sm- I can see through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you should just leave your uh, windows open, uh, no blinds, turn on your lights. Uh, I just want to don't bring your clothes wanna... into the bathroom, like walk out of the bathroom yeah. naked, kind of stuff uh, for your I own gotta, safety. Uh, I got a, a bad reputation from the other neighbors, so I thought maybe I'd just ask you up front. Uh, you might. I'm a I, bit uh, of a creep. Stare uh, at you and your wife through the window and crank it when I see you. Yeah, that's... Hey, man, hey, I appreciate you coming to me, so yes, please. <laughs> Don't shake my hand. <laughs> oh, why not? What, what What's on your hand? <laughs> I'll see you tonight. Or rather, 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, I'll see, see you. Yeah, you no, won't yeah. see me. No. Well, don't. If you look, I get... I'm going to be honest. This is what has turned weird. <laughs> the haunting... Uh, you made it weird for me. The guy who's going <laughs> to... Never mind. Let's. I'm going to go back to my house. The haunting was small at first, as they often are. Objects would be moved from the places they were originally left. The broom would go missing or move from room to room, seemingly on its own. Carolyn would hear the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen, but when she would check it out, nothing or no one would Such be there. Such a... That's a very specific... I hear something scraping against the kettle. Yeah. I, you know, it's like... A, there's a lot of scraping going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. She'd find piles of dirt in the center of the newly cleaned kitchen floor. Cindy <laughs> Perrin, one of the children who grew up in the house, said in an interview, things would either be moved all around in different position than how I left them or they would all be shoved up underneath the bed and i would go to my sisters of course you'd go to your sisters and ask hey what'd you do to my toys and they'd say nothing why would i mess with your toys cindy the girls would <laughs> because oh you're my fucking uh, yeah, sister i, would, I don't what? Uh, yeah i know it's like i would do that to my brother yeah you know how like, many fucking I'm a- times my siblings have come in here and taken shit from my room well, Austin, did you mess with my thing? Yeah, because I hate you. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> oh, enough, cool. I guess. All right. <laughs> All right. See ya. <laughs> the girls would soon come to the realization that the house was filled with spirits. The girls say the spirits were kind at first. They would even tuck them in and kiss them goodnight. But soon <laughs> oh, no. the good spirits were... Again, with the ghosts. Don't kiss me, ghosts. Get the oh. fuck off me, ghost. <laughs> but soon the good spirits were quickly replaced with malevolent ones. Their they parents... kept, then they bit us to good night. <laughs> they started. Ow. Started. Ow. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. I love you. <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> Don't let the me bite. <laughs> their, their parents were experiencing something much more sinister. The father would open the front door one day and was met with an overwhelming, putrefying smell. One night, Cindy would tell Andrea, who actually wrote a trilogy of books about her experiences entitled House of Darkness, House of Light, that eh. a spirit... Not a great name. <laughs> I don't love the title. That is... I think you could have used a better eh. editor. Eh. It's all right. House of Darkness, House of Light. Blue. Eh. <laughs> all right. It's fine. Move on. Welcome to Mason Critique's book titles, the section it's of our podcast. It's just not great. Oh, you're going to tell me it's good? It's fucking... I, I thought it was kind of fun. Okay, no, I'm nah, wrong. Whatever. Hey, whatever. Cindy told Andrea that a spirit told her about seven bodies hidden in the walls. Soon after, the family would be awoken every morning at 5.15 a.m. by an overwhelming smell of rotting flesh. Things would start to take a turn when one night Carolyn was awakened by a very tall woman in an old gray dress with her head hanging to the side resembling a sack of cobwebs. She threatened Carolyn, saying, Get out! Get out! I'll drive you out with death and gloom! How much funnier would it have been if she said doom and gloom? I drive you out with doom and gloom. <laughs> I like to rhyme. I'm a rhyming ghost. Ah! I'll get you out of here with doom and gloom. Kaboom, you're gone. <laughs> Me, the rhyme ghost. Carolyn would set out to research the history of the home and would come to find that eight generations of the same family had lived in the home and many of them had, under strange and traumatic circumstances, had passed away in or around the house. At this point, the Warrens were established and respected paranormal investigators, having founded the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. A Rhode Island paranormal group reached out to the Warrens, and they came to the rescue uh, of the parents. After consulting with them and hearing their stories, Ed was convinced that the principal spirit tormenting the family was that of Bathsheba. 
Bathsheba Thayer. Bathsheba Thayer was someone who had lived in the house in the 19th century and had four children, three of which had died under mysterious circumstances. She was a suspected Satanist and witch after she was accused of killing a neighbor's baby by stabbing it in the neck with a knitting needle and uh, as a sacrifice for the Dark Lord Lucifer. That's a pretty lame sacrifice. <laughs> if I was the devil, I mean, I'd just, be like, come on, a baby? I mean, not, I mean a baby well, can't fight yeah. back. Like, I mean, a baby, it's not cool that it's a baby, but more like, you know, like, I don't know, paint a pentagram and with the, get yeah. some candles. She just, just going to stab it, stabbed it in the neck. The Let's, devil's like, I, I refuse your sacrifice. Oh, this is kind of, oh, okay. Oh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba, <sighs> baby, Listen, we're kind come on. of. We, we we like to down here. We like to do a we like the, the festive and kind of pizzazzy. This is lacking a certain panache, I'd say. Uh, you know, where's the candles? Where's the? I mean, a goat a goat in a pentagram of your own blood is better than a single baby with a needle in its neck. You know what I'm saying? I I guess I I just thought you would be happy with any sort of sacrifice. I didn't. I don't know why you think I'm happy at all. I'm the devil. I'll get another baby. I'm just kidding. I love it. (laughs) I'm the devil. (laughs) When Carolyn received a mysterious stab in her calf while laying on the living room couch. (laughs) Oh, oh, what a mystery the stab is. Oh, this is an aloof stab. It resembled the one that killed the baby. So Lorraine. I mean, but that's a knitting needle. I mean, that's just a hole. Like a round Any, hole, yeah. I, there's several things that could make a knitting needle type uh, stab. Any any sharp, small, a chopstick could do it if you sharpen yeah, it. I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's other things as I'm not <laughs> thinking of now, but um, a sharpened metal straw. There you go, yeah. Um, a uh, <laughs> pencil? A pencil. Yeah. A pen? Mm-hmm. A quill, a quill, um, a small pipe. Yep, could be. <laughs> could be. Could Lorraine, be. <laughs> Lorraine suggested that Bathsheba had taken her knitting needles with her to the beyond and was now using them in the hauntings. And oh, Dr- this is easily. This is easily clear. She obviously took the knitting needles with her when she died. Yeah, clearly. well, it's a, it's a fucking no-brainer. Come on. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Andrea Perrin would say in an interview, whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself mistress of the house and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position. The local lore says that Bathsheba Thayer, a witch, made a pact with the devil in which she was guaranteed youthful beauty, but like most deals with the devil, it had unforeseen consequences, and she was turned to stone upon her death. As a ghost, she was condemned to torture people, possibly out of jealousy for beauty that could never be hers again which is why she targeted Carolyn Perrin, a relatively beautiful woman and the wife of Roger Perrin. I mean, what's beauty? It's subjective, so. Andrea uh, yeah, believes... Yeah, I mean, I suppose as a stone ghost, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not harder to be prettier, right. I guess. Andrea believes that Bathsheba wanted Roger for herself and was willing to do whatever it took to have him. Uh, because he was, like, the only one out of the family that didn't have these, like, super negative encounters with it. Yeah, uh, he didn't believe it for so long. Um, What's the deal? I don't understand. What she? Okay, she kissed me. Is that what you wanted to hear? I I think she's a cool ghost. She's I got nice lights. No okay, I'm sorry. I said it. Ghost. Listen, listen. I'm not saying that I would cheat on you with her. She just has really nice toned legs. I you could but you also, could use a run every once in a while. Okay? I would argue. I, I would argue that 
even if I it wouldn't be cheating anyway because it's a ghost and not a living person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just I just thought I got stabbed. Well, I mean, that's on you. Did you do something to upset her? I mean, because you have, you know, when you wake up sometimes, you're in this mood, and it's like, ugh, I want to stab you with a knitting needle sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I was napping on the couch. But Okay, so here's the thing. Bathsheba told me that's her favorite couch, and you should have known better than to have laid on her favorite couch. How? How? I just, you know, like, be a little more conscious of people around you. Like, don't be such a fucking dick. I'm going to go fuck this ghost now, all right? I'll be back. (laughs) The Warrens' involvement, however, the family claims, only made things worse. One night, they conducted a seance with the parents in the basement. Lorraine never talked about what she saw, but was disturbed by what happened during the ritual. Andrea claims that she and Cindy snuck down to the basement and witnessed the ordeal. She said, My mother began to speak in a language not of this world and a voice not of her own. Ooga shaka, ooga, ooga, ooga shaka. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Can you just... I'm telling you, if I was a demon, that is the type of shit that I'm doing. When a fucking priest comes up to me and he's like, identify yourself, I'm going to be like, ooga shaka, ooga, ooga. What is going on? Who oh, are God, you? Yeah, we should uh, we should try to uh, try to get ghosting. We should try to haunt the same place yeah. so we can inter- just so fucking two people. <laughs> what's the one message you want to say to us? There's a bad room <laughs> on the rise. Oh my God! What what is that supposed to mean? I. Oh my God! <laughs> I had to stop for the night. <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> it up in the hot. We're gonna. <laughs> They stab it with the steely knives, but they just can't kill the bees. <laughs> I would just put on concerts, man. Oh, God. So Tell good. us, who are you? Identify yourself, demon. Hi, yes, schmucks, it's me, Gilbert Godfrey. I'm your ghost. I used to be a human, but now I'm a fucking ghost. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, so her chair left. You would ask people for Little Caesars. I would fucking ask. And then someone somewhere would be a listener of the podcast and would be like, holy shit. Wait, I, I think that's the ghost of either Jose Valle or Mason Schrader. They ghost, always talked what? about Little Caesars. Ghost, what do you need to leave this family alone? Little Caesars and crazy bread. Oh my God. It's made a ridiculous request. This is an unhinged demon for sure. It didn't notice how it didn't ask for Domino's or Pizza Hut. It asked for Little Caesars. The shittiest pizza in the world. Uh, which we will gladly go back on uh, when they offer us a $500,000 deal. Or $500 bucks, yeah, deal. Or five free pizzas. Free pizza, yeah. yeah. One free pizza. A deal with for crazy bread. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Just <laughs> give us 10% off our order. Um, so she her chair levitated, right? And she was thrown across the room. After this, Roger reportedly told the Warrens to get the hell out as he never wanted anyone else's involvement and was concerned for his wife's mental well-being. <laughs> 
Okay. Fair Get out of here, you bastards! You made my wife levitate and be thrown across the room. It was you, not my lover, Bathsheba. Bathsheba's good to She's me. not my lover. Yeah, who said I mean, that? I, who's, I don't know who said that, but that is a, that is a misconstrued detail. We are and just even if she casual. was, it's not like, what, you think that love can't escape the bonds of this life? It's not cheating because it's a ghost. Okay? <laughs> and Ed is just like, hey, man, I'm not, hey, whoa, hey, listen, hey, hey, buddy. Been there, done that, let me tell you, all right? No judgment here. Go ahead. Well, okay. <laughs> all right, just go. It's fine. Go ahead. Uh, the haunting would continue for the majority of the 10 years that the family were there until they were finally able to afford moving out. One of the most striking encounters occurred when the girls uh, were playing hide-and-seek, like the film depicts. Uh, Cindy decided to hide in the woodshed to make things more fun. She climbed into a wood box that had nothing more than a wooden panel covering it. No latch, key, or anything else. When she realized that her sisters weren't coming to find her, she gave up and tried to exit the box. She pushed the panel up, but it wouldn't budge. There were no air holes or anything, and Cindy began to panic. She pushed and screamed, hoping someone would hear her and let her out, but no one came until 20 minutes later. Uh, uh, and she sat defeated as she sat defeated in a pool of sweat and tears. When her sister Nancy came and simply pulled open the lid and let her out. Cindy was hysterical and unable to breathe. The family believes that Bathsheba still follows them, tormenting them to this day, not living, uh, despite not living on the farmhouse anymore. They believe her hatred for them is so strong that she was willing to leave the property, but not the family, attaching herself to them. So, Mason, conjuring or crap-juring? Nice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm going to go ahead and say it's spooky just because I've seen the movie, and the movie was kind of spooky, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, spooky for me, too. It's kind of a fun Also, one. I hold respect for that dad to just be like, hey, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get out of here. Like, they're just like, oh, oh, there's, de- there's demons in here. And he's just like, get the fuck what out. What is that? You're just shaking. You're just shaking and saying, there's, get, get out of my fucking house. Also, why the fuck did you purchase... $300 worth of Little Caesars. Like, what the fuck is up with that? It's been the Lorraines this whole time. <laughs> the only way to get this demon out of your house is... We need ten orders little of Little Caesars, Caesars and five orders the of crazy... square pan. <laughs> get a deep dish one in there for variety. Um, <laughs> it should be noted uh, that while some people might have considered Bathsheba a witch, she was not uh, uh, charged Uh-oh. with the murder of the oh, infant. Okay. Um, and only had uh, one child who made it to adulthood. Actually, I think there's not even any evidence of a trial for this supposed murder. Uh, and she only had one child that made it to adult- adulthood. Uh, she might have had three other children, but census records of the time do not list them. She did not die of hanging, but most likely a stroke and was buried alongside her husband. Also, it should be pointed out that the entity never identified itself as Bathsheba, so it's possible that it was someone or something else haunting the parent family. We might never know. For now, this story will remain a notorious narrative of the Northeast. (laughs) Nice. Um, That's yeah. That was pretty good. I did. She. I mean, did she live in the like during like the was it like the like the big witch hunt era of America? Uh, No, I don't. um, Okay. Well, because if she did, I just would assume. Then you know, like if if she did, it's like 
she definitely, like, if she'd lived through that era, she obviously wasn't a witch, because even if she may have been a witch, right, she would have, you know, yeah. been accused and shit. But. Yeah. Also, uh, somebody else pointed out on, like, a website that if, had she really been suspected of being a witch, they wouldn't have let her be buried, like, in the local Baptist church. Right, that's like, what the, I'm saying, The public right? would have been like, was... fuck no, we're not, that's what even I if thought, she was yeah. cleared of any crime, they would have still been like, nah. No, yeah, right. I'm with um, you, so. But with that, it's time to wrap the show up. If you like this show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app. We'd really appreciate it. Plus, it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. We're at 23 five-star reviews, but we would like to get to 30, so please help us out. As of right now, we are the top Captain's Log podcast on Apple Podcasts, so yeah, give yourself a pat on the back there, Mason. Yeah. Um, also, also the other day, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left liked a tweet from our podcast's Twitter page. So, yes, so uh, up and coming, up and coming. I'd say, yeah, we're uh, rubbing, we're rubbing shoulders with the high class of the podcasting <laughs> yeah, world. We are, yeah. Um, you can support and this- Henry if you're listening. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to do it, man. I um, love the show. Keep it up. Uh, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar, or similarly, you can also donate whatever amount you'd like on Venmo by Venmoing j Faya 27 Anything helps keep the lights on. Remember, if you donate, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at masonschrader.com. Still don't use it. I on know Twitter I at masonschrader.com? God damn it, dude, I do that all the time, and I don't know why. It's just at Mason Schrader, obviously, there's no dot .com. Uh, but you can, yeah, like, you can, uh, I don't know. I think I've gotten one follower from the podcast so far, but... Yeah, I think you I'll, have, yeah. I will, I will tweet a single tweet accordingly, I guess. <laughs> well, you can follow me on Instagram at j uh, j dash Fucking hell. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, you're making fun of me, you dude. <laughs> underscore junior and the show on Twitter at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend uh, various different materials on there, post show updates, and tweet some occasionally funny things. And occasionally, Henry Zabrowski of the last podcast on the left will like our tweets. So go he was check it out. the only one to like it, too. Which the I only think person. Is crazy. Like, nobody. It's, it's so. It's, uh, anyway. It's just weird that the only person to like a tweet would be. The guy that we, yeah, it's, yeah. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course, the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to tell us about how we missed a bunch of details about a certain story, or how you totally know someone who definitely saw Fingernails Freddy, Please. Or if you totally know someone who saw Freddy Got Fingered, the Tom Green movie. Yes, please uh, <laughs> do so by writing in uh, to captainslogcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back on, etc. Uh, make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thank you to Max Benyon for composing the show's theme. And with that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode, this time for... for for real. Uh, <laughs> I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... First mate, freeway underpass, Mason Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. <laughs>